1: Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer and this is my brother Jonah.
5: We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today.
1: Who are extremely caring, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. (laughs) Jonah, um, I was thinking about when we were kids and we used to go on vacations to this very specific place in Florida called Palm Island. Do you remember that?
5: Yeah, I feel like we went there a bunch of times, but I was like a kid. So I don't, I know it was in Florida, but I don't know exactly where it was. I just remember like hanging out there, like playing pool, eating a lot of French fries, uh, but I don't remember a ton of details. What do you remember?
1: I remember that it was an island that you had to take a ferry to it. So right, right. according to our dad, we flew into Sarasota and then we took a ferry to this island. There was like very few things on the island. There was a general store. There was a restaurant that was really good that I would always get salads with shrimp on them. I remember that. And um, <laughs> I think we've like already established that most of my food, my memories are food related and you don't remember any of the food stuff. But um, I asked our dad because I, I was like, why did we get to keep going there? There was some tie in with our grandpa and our dad said um, like he invested in it and that's why we got to go there. And one of the things that I remember being the most thrilling about going there, and I promise that you don't remember this, is that we would get this list before we would go of all these snacks. And we could fill out which snacks we wanted to be in the condo when we got there. And then we would show up day one. We got cupboards full of Pringles, you know, pretzels, Pop-Tarts. It was stuff that our mom didn't normally let us have in our house. But we'd show up in that Palm Island condo with a stocked fridge, stocked cabinets. And honestly, I can't think of anything more fun than that still to this day.
5: It sounds so fun. I don't remember that at all. I, I literally <laughs> yeah. just don't remember it. Uh, I do remember going to like a party. I, we took some friends down there one year, I remember.
1: Yes, you took Kevin Piper. I took Chrissy track.
5: Yeah, and I had another couple friends from my high school who for some reason were at this same island. This guy had like his own apartment. Yeah. We were like 15 or something. And this guy somehow had his own apartment. I don't know, his parents weren't there. This kid who was also in like eighth grade with me and like everyone was drinking, like smoking cigarettes, like the ashtrays were overflowing. And it was like just insane to me.
1: Yeah, Hunter, right? He would bring Chad and they, and you guys would party. I, I, this is the first time hearing of this because Chrissy and I were just like kind of going to the tennis courts, going to the general store. I don't remember any kind of partying happening in Palm Island. The only kind of partying I remember happening in Palm Island is one time we went and Palm Island had been like temporarily kind of destroyed by a hurricane. And so, we got to Sarasota and we weren't able to take the ferry there for a couple of days. Okay. So, and I asked our dad about this. Um, we stayed at this hotel owned by football player, Ron Jaworski, otherwise known as Jaws, who's a retired <laughs> Eagles quarterback. And I remember like we, we stayed at this hotel and the restaurant there was called Jaws or something. And uh. I remember getting so much pie Like they like they just like because it was like the food we had like a waiver for free food. We stayed at the hotel. To me, that's the other thing that's really fun is like, like your flight gets bumped or your whatever gets happened and you get to stay at a hotel for free and get you have like a amount of a stipend for food. That is so fun.
5: That is fun. I have to say, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I think the airlines have gotten so cheap and figured out ways around all that stuff that I think that's that's a bygone yeah. Bygone experience. And the last thing, speaking of airports, is um, we had a celebrity sighting at Sarasota Airport on one of these trips to Palm yes.
1: Island. Yes. yes.
5: And this was incredible because my mom literally were walking through the airport and she s- sighted this celebrity from behind. Yes. From the back of the head. She literally was like, I think that's Paul Simon. And like went up and was like, hi, Paul. And he was like, hey.
1: I remember he was wearing glasses with a daisy chain, like a beaded daisy chain Like on them, and yeah, she just went up to him and said, "Hey, Paul." Now, Jonah, do you remember that years later we were at a? Do you know what I'm going to say?
5: Yeah, we were at a Yankees game
1: with Lawrence tickets.
5: The the, yeah, Lawrence tickets, and we ran into Paul Simon, and I believe he said he was a fan of yours. Is that true? Well,
1: we talked about we were high. I was on SNL at the time, and he was. We were about to start a new season. He was like, "There's. It looks like there's some great new like." talent you guys are getting like we just had like a casual conversation and i feel like you were so freaked out
5: yeah i was just kind of standing there like uh (laughs) yeah i was pretty freaked out but you know
1: but whatever we've had a couple run-ins with paul simon it's not a big deal now what is a big deal
5: what is a big deal really good segue is uh today's guest is a writer producer and television personality who gained national attention as a runner-up in mtv's want to be a vj contest in 1998 Soon afterwards, he became a VJ on the channel and hosted popular shows such as 120 Minutes. These days, he's an editor-at-large at Esquire, the author of the nonfiction book Party of One, A Memoir on 21 Songs, and the host of the popular podcast Homophilia and Waiting for Impact, at Dave Holmes passion project. Let's give it up for this honorary member of the East Coast family, Dave Holmes.
6: Hey, hello. Hey. Yes.
5: Dave, you've done so much stuff that I, it's hard to get it all in
6: there. Hey, well, thank you so much. That was, that was beautiful. I'm so happy to be here. And I love that story. I really, I really buy you guys as siblings. You've really got, you've got that something.
1: (laughs) Did you have like a place like that, that you would go on vacation to when you were a kid, like multiple times?
6: Yeah, we went to Breckenridge in Colorado every Christmas. Oh. uh, To go skiing.
1: Oh my God. Your family is the opposite of ours. (laughs) Yeah, I
6: don't know. That may be, well, I, we certainly, our snack uh, experience was directly opposite of yours. We would just, we would rent condos, but they would just, you know, the cupboard would be bare. But that wouldn't matter.
1: Would your parents ski?
6: They would. Yeah. Oh Not super well. Yeah. Because um, we didn't really start this until they were like well into their 50s, probably. Okay. They started having kids late and then they had me way later. I was like a surprise kid, like eight years after my middle sibling. And uh, and then we started maybe when I was like eight or nine. And, and I do remember I was on a ski lift with my middle brother and my parents were taking a ski class. And we spotted our dad and we were like, oh, we should say hi. And as we like hovered over him, we heard him say, there's so much to remember. And we're like, let's not say hi to dad. Like we will (laughs) kill dad if we say hello." (laughs) And he was like fully snow plowing down the bunny slope. They would sort, they would give it a whirl, but they, you know, yeah, no, not a ton. It was more about, you know, hanging out, relaxing. Were you ever snowboarding at all or were you more kind of a skiing? I never did. I tried snowboarding later in life up in Hunter when I lived in New York. And it was it was a disaster. I just can't, like, if you grow up skiing, it's very hard. To, and I don't skateboard or anything like that. So it was very hard to make my body do that thing. And I, I remember I took a class and I didn't have snow pants. I borrowed a friend's dad's snow pants and they were <laughs> way too big. And I was in this little class and it was like, the slope was so, like I'd done a green slope a couple of times and done okay. But then I was like, I should probably do a class. And it was like, the, the grade was so slight that you couldn't get any momentum going. So it was just constantly falling and I couldn't get up. And, and it was just like the, the kids who were in my like snowboarding class, like going down well and then getting on the lift and going back up and going down again. Well, I'm like red faced and struggling to get up and snow is in the crack of my ass because my snow pants are size 40. <laughs> and, and they began to, because they were teenagers, this was like in 1999, 2000, they began to recognize me. So they were like, over my head as I'm struggling to get up. And like, are you? Are you Dave Holmes? And it's
1: like, yes!
6: <gasps> Yeah, it was really bad. So I have like, I'm yeah, I have I have a block now with <laughs> snowboarding. But I would ski again in a heartbeat.
1: Oh man. Snowboarding to me, I mean in the 90s I felt like I always wanted to do it because a lot of like teen magazines and stuff would like show like teenage girls with like bright pink hats and like snowsuits. But like the actual sport of it felt very intimidating. So I never yeah. really followed through with that. But we did have in Ohio, this there's this ski quote unquote resort called Boston Mills Brandywine, and there was a Ooh. big thing in our middle school. I guess it was middle school. Was like going on this bus, and you would go to yep um, ski. And I, Jonah, you did. Jonah did very well. It's Jonah's much more athletic than I am. I remember one time I went on kind of a high. I, I progressed very slowly. I always hated skiing. I did it for like two or three. Winters, uh, I signed up for this thing because I wanted because all my friends were doing it, and I literally remember um, one time skiing down a hill, and I, um, (laughs) I basically just completely lost control and kind of gave up and was like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna like fall at the bottom or whatever, and I knocked this girl down who was talking to her. I like not violently, (laughs) but I knocked her down who was talking to her grandpa or something. <laughs> and so I we both fell down and then he was like standing over me, going like, You shouldn't do that. And I was like, Yeah, I know I shouldn't, Gramps. I didn't try yeah. and like hit your granddaughter now. Get the fuck out of my get face. Get the fuck out of my face
6: and let me let me enjoy. Does your does your mother typically see celebrities?
1: Our parents are kind of surprisingly like bold about talking to celebrities. So I will say like my first or second season, Paul McCartney was the musical guest on SNL and my parents and Jonah came to like the dress rehearsal shows and the live show. So that because at the dress rehearsal show, they could like go onto the floor and watch Paul McCartney and there was like almost nobody yeah. there. So it was like so cool. But I took them to what during the dress rehearsal show. I took them to like the backstage area kind of by the wardrobe area to like wait to go on stage to watch him and that's where he was waiting to go on stage paul mccartney my dad goes hey paul i guess they both said hey paul to different different pauls at different times in their life my dad goes hey paul (laughs) and he like goes to shake his hand and he and uh, my mom was losing her mind i mean this whole show it was watching my mom revert to being 15 or something it was like incredible and he goes hey and I go, these are my parents. And he was so nice to them. And he goes, like, he was like putting them at ease. He goes, like, I'm doing a sketch with your daughter. And my parents were like, great. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, And it was truly, I have to say, it is like one of the most, it was one of the most incredible moments there, especially because after all of the like, Just my parents just having to deal with so many different things with raising me. It felt like such a great way to thank them was to be like, here's here's Paul McCartney and you guys can talk.
6: Yeah, I love that.
1: And then watching my uh, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Jonah, but watching mom while he was playing, like both during the dress rehearsal and the live show, she was like moving. She was like jumping up and down and moving her arms truly like a teenager. It was so incredible.
6: I love that so much. I love that so much. My uh my mother uh attracts celebrities wherever she goes <laughs> Really, yeah, it's crazy. Like they wherever my parents would travel, they would meet somebody famous. They would be on like a, you know, uh a little like day-long, you know, boat trip and Marion Ross, Mrs. Cunningham from Happy Days, would be right next to him. Oh my And God. of course my mother would talk to them and, you know, whatever. She was she was really really she's good that way so they also when i lived in new york they would they would visit a lot and they would always go to uh 21 um the 21 club sort of on i think 52nd street this like private sort of it's not really private everyone can get in but like coat and tie kind of thing okay um where frank sinatra was known to hang out and they met him there once my mom grew up worshipping wow. yeah frank sinatra was my mom's paul mccartney she went up and said hello He said, thanks, babe. She never forgot it. (laughs) Um, Also, on like a later (laughs) ski trip, one of my sisters-in-law borrowed my mom's ski coat because she didn't have one. And they went out to dinner and like they were like at the bar waiting for their table. And Phil Mickelson, the golfer, ended up right next to him. And they were like, it's a pheromone. She's got like she literally (laughs) emits something. And it's like it's on the coat. And that's now. There's a famous golfer right next to us. It's uncanny. It doesn't happen as much anymore wow. because my mom is 89, and most of the celebrities that she knows are no longer with us. But it is, yeah, it's a real, it's a real thing. It's wow. a phenomenon.
1: I would think she probably met a lot of people through you too, right? Or, but maybe was less. She interested would not
6: in- be as enthusiastic about a Jessica Simpson, probably.
1: Right, right, right. Our dad has this thing where he. <laughs> and it's actually kind of uncanny he will like spot someone it like when we're out somewhere in public and he'll be like doesn't that person look like some celebrity and he actually is really good like it's actually pretty accurate
5: yeah although i think it it will be like one feature on the person you'll be like like that guy looks like Al Pacino, but like that guy looks nothing like Al Pacino. And then you're like, oh, this guy does have the same yeah. nose or something. Yeah. I feel like he's good at like spotting a singular uh-huh. feature.
1: We were in Cleveland uh, in July and we went to Corky and Lenny's and the guy working at like the deli counter, who did he think he looked like? I can't remember, but it was like once you looked at that guy, you were like, that's... There's... Yeah, it's usually like one feature yeah. that you're like, that is incredibly... Similar.
6: He's good. He's observant. He's observant.
1: Very observant. Very observant.
6: Was Snack Island or whatever like teaming with celebrities? (laughs) Palm Island? I like Snack Island better, actually. They should call it Snack Island. We
1: stayed, there were like these really nice condos we stayed in, or at least I thought they were nice because they were so full of great snacks. (laughs) But there were these condos, but then there was a part of the island that we could walk to where there were actually like people who lived there who had like houses mm-hmm. there that really? like, had resident. Yeah. I don't know if you, I would go on a lot of walks with mom and dad. I guess you were off partying with uh Hunter or whatever. <laughs> I went to
5: one, one party. I think I was like confused about it, but yeah, okay, go ahead.
1: Well, there would be like people who lived there and there was a, f- there was, cause grandma would talk about it all the time. There was a famous tennis player, like a, female tennis player who lived on the island
7: hmm.
1: or had a place really? there
7: okay uh,
1: there were some really nice houses jonah if you would have if you would have taken a second to
5: you know you know what i remember i remember playing they had, they had a pool table
1: in the restaurant or something? in the restaurant and yeah. i was
5: playing pool with my friends and some guy came over and was like put 20 bucks on tables like whoever wins this game can have 20 bucks and to us it was like putting down oh, like wow, ten thousand dollars we like freaked out and i was like that is like a high roller move just to give 20 dollars away to kids playing pool i thought that guy that was like so impressive that is did you win super baller i didn't win but i always had like infinite respect for that guy did
6: that hurt were you like had had you spent (sighs) the money in your head (laughs) (laughs) probably
1: in retrospect too do you feel like a man who would go up to a table full of teens playing pool and say like $20 $20 to the winner is maybe not someone you'd In <laughs> necessarily
6: any other context, a, uh, <laughs> a grown man offering teenagers $20 <laughs> is frowned upon. I guess so. It's
1: yeah. Like I don't great. think he
5: stuck around to see who won. He didn't care. It was all about the gesture. God,
1: he was just throwing 20s wherever he went. He didn't even get <laughs> a crap. didn't care, man. What a rich royalty. guy.
6: Royalty. Snack Island royalty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this guy is the richest guy on Snack mm. Island. And he, and he wants you to mm. know. He doesn't want to stick around to wait for you to Mm-mm. get it.
5: Mm-mm. Dave, did you ever do any of the,
6: speaking of Florida, any of the spring break stuff? Or did you not have to do that? Yeah. You did. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, that was always, it was mostly Cancun. Okay. I feel like, okay. And then the beach houses moved around. So my first one was Seaside Heights, New Jersey, Elegant. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it really was super fun. I had never really been to the Jersey Shore. That is where the seed was planted for the eventual show, Jersey Shore, because of the people who would just come around sure. the house. Wow. Yeah. It was wild. We, my first MTV show was there and it was, we shot it at a bar that was like, we had the back room, but the bar would be open at 7 a.m. 365 days a year. So we'd show up at like seven to set up and there would be people there and, you know, like just morning, morning bar people every day. That was, it was truly glamorous and wild then it was uh Paradise Island in the Bahamas the Isle of MTV the like story for the viewer was that we took a boat down for Memorial Day weekend but then Fred Durst blew it up with dynamite um so we were stranded on the island for the whole summer <laughs> and so like that the Memorial Day weekend it all like led up to a limp biscuit performance and then he like did the plunger thing like bugs Bunny and this boat blew up and we were like we're stuck on the Isle of MTV then I think it was San Diego and then Key West. Wow.
5: I mean, do you think there's anything like that? Now? I mean, no. Obviously, there's still spring breaks, but like a cultural kind of phenomenon like that, where it's like televised and it's like like the no, destination. No, I don't
6: think there is one like shared experience for the youth anymore. There's like no one thing that you would definitely do or definitely turn on because it's on or whatever. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of like a big event like that anymore.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think from listening to to Waiting for Impact, uh, your Mm -hmm. podcast, which is so great. And from doing this podcast, it's like, you know, in the 90s and these times, like there was like, you didn't have as many options. Right. There was like the one thing and everyone was kind of a part mm-hmm. of it. And that seems to have gone yeah. away in a lot of ways. There's so much more. Yeah.
6: It was a big thing yeah. and you either liked it or you didn't like it, but you knew about it and you had a reaction to it. Yep. And now it's like, it, there are 10,000 things happening at any given time. And I just don't know about them. There are big things that are happening that I just don't have an opinion on.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't mean to take things back um, but I, I did have a quick Please. question about spring yes. break, which is, did you ever do any spring breaks with Pauly Shore? He
6: was always kind of around. Okay. Pauly Shore. <laughs> he was a bit, he was a little like Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused, right?
1: Okay, okay. That's a really good. So
6: his heyday at MTV was like 92-ish, 91, 92-ish, right? And I started in 98. So the, the PAs, you know, the lower on the totem pole people who worked on his show were now the 28 year olds who were the big executives. Wow. So he would come back and see them because they had, you know, the big offices and stuff like that. And, and he would, you know, that he would pitch things and sometimes they would buy them. And, you know, there was enough like live TV real estate on the channel that he could be like, oh, let me come on and and do this thing. And they would sort of let him. And yeah, spring break, he would always... He would always just sort of pop by. He would just be there, whether he was on camera or not.
1: I mean, he's. We could do a whole other episode on him, but I, my, my friend Jenny Binstock and a lot of my friends from home. When we hang out, we will watch. <laughs> we haven't done it that many times, but we'll watch and see No Man, and it's just crazy that like he would be in all these movies and he would just do and everything. And at Spring Break, at, he would just do Polly Shore, yeah. and it wouldn't necessarily match the environment around him or the movie he was in or whatever it was. I mean, Jonah, we've watched son-in-law so many times, so but like, many times, but like it, because it was like him, it was almost like he could kind of come in and just be himself in any situation. And now like thinking back on like him being part of the, him being part of like the MTV stuff, people just loved him and, he could just do whatever kind of he wanted that was poly sort short of.
6: Yeah. I, I, I also remember. <laughs>
1: am I misremembering? David. No, can tell me no. Like that
6: was his thing. He would just sort of show up and like do one of his three catchphrases and, you know, and then. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I remember also he was in the late nineties. He was trying to do like a documentary about his life or like a, like a half scripted, half documentary type thing about his life. And I remember the title was you'll never wheeze in this town again which I was like, that's unfortunate, (laughs) but he, but he would be at at certain like MTV events with his camera crew and then just like talk to people and get footage and whatever. And he talked to my mom and, and I was not (gasps) privy to that conversation, but he was like, he came up to me later and he was like, is it okay if I use this conversation with your mom in my documentary? And I'm sure I was drunk and said yes. And then I was like, I am not going to have my mother. Like used for comedy in a in a Paulie Shore documentary. I don't know what the context is, but I was like, I, I just I didn't know him well enough to know whether I could trust him. Yes, with my mother's brand, you know what I mean. So, <laughs> yes. uh so I so I did ask like the twenty eight year old, you know, high up executive. Yes. Like, could you just not? And, and I don't know whether I don't know whether the documentary ever came out. Um, I think a documentary did, but I I uh, I don't think my mom is in it.
1: We will find out, and we will. Okay, get back cool. that be great because I don't wanna, whether this documentary yeah, came yeah, out.
6: Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: <laughs> I have a feeling Jonah and I are going to be wasting many hours this weekend looking into.
6: Okay, this. great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know what you find out.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with Dave Holmes.
2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series.
1: we're back with Dave Holmes. Now, Dave.
5: Vanessa and I have some breaking news. Oh, no. About another MTV DJ. We
1: do. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you know him.
5: You might know him. We found out that we are distantly related.
1: Not that distantly.
5: Not that distant. We are related. We're like
1: second cousins once removed. And this was a rumor
5: we heard growing up from our grandma. I never thought it was actually true. And we got confirmation from him. And we're going to have him on the podcast moving forward. Ricky Rackman. No
1: way. He's our cousin.
7: Yeah,
5: he's He's our our cousin.
1: cousin. So our great Uh uncle
5: by marriage,
1: his sister is Ricky Rackman's grandma. Okay. So we're pretty closely related. And we remember our great aunt like kind of saying (laughs) that Ricky Rackman was our cousin. And Jonah remembers her talking about his tattoos Uh a lot.
5: (laughs) I think the adjective she
6: used was disgusting. She's like, he's (laughs) got
5: these disgusting tattoos. He's this you know.
6: They were traditional kind of yeah repel a great aunt those tattoos that's for sure
5: (laughs) yes i remember her being like it's tattoos are disgusting but his sister is very successful
7: okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) and like he was very you know and jonah and i would watch headbangers ball and be like jonah was so into i mean i was kind of watching because jonah was watching it but more his style of music but we'd be like is that our cousin you know and now we know
5: so you know what's so weird about it i've wondered this for 30 years Mm -hmm. and then vanessa just message him on instagram we was were like,
1: talking <laughs> about it yeah on the podcast or something and i just mess i was like i should just message him on instagram and be like i think i think my brother and i think we might be your cousins like can like and so i i named the name of our great aunt like her full name and she, he was like her last name is the name of my is my grandmother's maiden name okay and he was like i remember my cousins eric and nina and i was like our dad and ricky rackman share first cousins.
6: One of my favorite memories from beginning to work at MTV was, like, the first time I got recognized by a taxi driver, he was a big Headbangers Ball guy. And I and I met Ricky Rackman many times uh, in the years that would follow. But yeah. And they never brought back Headbangers Ball, I don't think. Did they?
5: Not in the same way, for sure. I mean, but so interesting because you hosted 120 it minutes, did. which I feel like was, like, also running a parallel line of the culture. Right. And I think that's a great way to kind of segue into our oh, topic, sure. which is... The radio, the radio, which sounds like a, a very
6: broad topic, but listeners deal yeah. with, yeah, right, because it is like a thing that was the organizing principle of my life growing up, and like my teenage nieces and nephews, I don't think would ever turn it on ever, and I don't hear it anymore. Yes, except for like in 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 a lift. Yeah. I have n- I never exactly. Hear. I have. I live in <laughs> Los Angeles. I've been here eighteen years. I have. I don't know what the stations are. I, I have KCRW in the morning sometimes. And then there are, there's a ton of other radio stations and I don't know what they are or what they play, except like maybe K rock. I know I can turn on K rock and hear Santeria immediately. Sure,
7: <laughs> But other than that, I don't,
6: I don't know. Like, I don't know what top 40 radio is anymore. I don't know anything about it. It's weird. Yeah. So
5: that's, that's something I'm really curious about. So first of all, just in case someone wants to leave a comment, we know the radio still exists,
6: sure. but not in the yeah, same way. And if you're a kid, you don't interact with it in the same way. Right. You're not like, right. You know, I'm a, person you know what i mean you don't like define yourself by the station you listen to i don't think
5: and what i find so interesting you made the santeria reference which i think is so accurate and i think what i think is so strange about rock radio is that it's the same songs now yeah that it was in the night i mean you turn it on it's like lithium by nirvana Mm -hmm. plush by stone temple Mm -hmm. pilots rooster by Mm -hmm. Ellison chains it's like do you know why it's the same songs
6: like it seems stuck yeah, there, yeah, because because it's such like it's a biz like terrestrial radio. So like the radio that's you know that with the dial that's in your car um before you turn over to satellite radio is like that is a business that is a little bit fading out just a little bit. I'm aware that we're, this is an iHeartRadio podcast, <laughs> but it's it's going away, and like the people who are left in it are like fighting for scraps. So you can't like the idea of playing a song that is like not super familiar to the listener or that is like challenging in some way that might make one person change the channel is like that could be the difference between, you know, succeeding and failing in the radio business. So it's like you have to keep, you sort of have to keep people just satisfied. Maybe not super happy, but just satisfied. It's uh it's very strange. And it's also like, Okay, so one of the big stations in St. Louis where I grew up was KC-95, which was like a classic rock station. And, you know, from 1977 to now, it's the same playlist. It's Led Zeppelin and it's The Rolling Stones and it's, you know, uh, Fog Hats and all, you know, Kansas and all that stuff. And it has not changed. Like they might throw in a Bon Jovi song now or like maybe Pearl Jam or something like that. But it's basically frozen like frozen in amber. And like all the jocks and the cool kids and stuff listened to KC ninety five and just, you know, had a favorite fucking grand funk railroad song or whatever. But then like around 83, 84, uh, there was a station called KYMC, which was like sort of a college station, but like it, it was just this weird little shack with a with a radio tower. And it had like it broadcast for like a three mile radius and and it would play like uh the replacements and the cure and stuff like that and and i lived within that three mile radius and i listened to it and i was like this is my future i fucking love it and i i like when i was 15 i rode my bike there and like applied for a job and got it and so i had like a saturday afternoon radio show for all the rest of high school which was wild oh my god yeah it was so 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 much fun it didn't get paid but it was like I don't care. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I had to pay like 20 bucks a month or something. There were like dues. <laughs> and, um, but it didn't matter. It was like, it was heaven. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what goes on in our house now is um, when like my partner and I are home and we're having like guests over, we will put, there's an iHeartRadio station that is all old case Kasem case of American Top 40 shows from the 70s and 80s. It's called Classic American Top 40. And we, we put it on and it's Casey Kasem counting down the top 40 from sometime in the 70s or 80s. And it is so comforting and, and like, and it I brings bet. back such good memories. And there are maybe 70 ish shows in rotation and we have heard them all at least three times. Wow. To the point, to the point where it's like, let's not leave yet because there's a really good long distance dedication coming up or whatever, like, we kind of, we've gotten to know it almost too well, and, like, our friends now know it almost too well, but it's, it is, it is exactly the kind of comfort and nostalgia that has allowed us to survive the COVID era. I cannot recommend it highly enough.
1: I will definitely listen to it. I mean, the thing is, like, you're right, like, kind of what you're saying, it's like, we used to all sort of, like, organize our days around Absolutely. the radio. I mean, I, and so, it is so nostalgic. Like, I remember getting ready for school in the morning, I would have, like, I had, like, a clock alarm radio Mm -hmm. thing that like would wake me up. And then I would listen to like some morning show or whatever. And then sometimes at night I'd listen to the radio. And then when we, Jonah and I were talking about like when our dad would drive us to temple on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. to like synagogue, we would listen to Casey Kasem and we would stop and get (laughs) Jonah doesn't remember this, of course, but we would stop at Burger King and get the breakfast platter, which was like hash browns, Uh eggs they have one now. We looked it up. They have one now that has pancakes. Ours does not have mm. pancakes, but it's hash browns, eggs. I think
5: sausage or something. Probably. Sausage a standard breakfast,
1: and like it was, and a biscuit yeah. maybe. Mm. It was so good, and we would like. I would finish it just as we would get to Temple, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'd rather sit in the car and eat this." Yeah. thing." But no, but it was fine. Oh. But <laughs> but it was like that's we'd listen to Casey Kasem on the way mm-hmm. to that. We would like it. Just felt all so like the way you organize. Like I remember listening to like nighttime shows that in my room and like just the way that your whole day yes. was organized was around these yeah. shows. Yeah. That was like how you felt included in the world. It gave you
6: inclusion. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, us too. Like going to, going to Catholic mass on Sunday mornings, I would get up early. Uh, if the weather was nice, I would roller skate in my driveway and listen to like numbers Cute. 40 through like, you know, 28. Then, get in the shower, get ready for, for mass. And we would drive to mass and listen to like, you know, songs 25 to or 15 to 10. And then mass was like during 10 to one. And it was like, I knew those songs well enough that I didn't really need Bummer. to hear them. But yeah, you I, sometimes knew. we'd be back in the sure. car by the time number one was revealed or whatever. And then we would go to the international house of pancakes and we would have oh, a full brunch.
1: That's it, yeah, so was, nice,
6: delightful. Yeah. And then, you know, weeknights, Usually there would be like the the hot five at nine or something on like the top forty station. It would yeah, be like the most requested songs of the day, and then and then later there would be like every top forty station had something like like smash it or trash it or like totally. They'd play a new song, and the like listeners would call it call in because you had to call in and vote on whether it, they should play it or never play it again. I remember. I that was the first time I ever heard Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge was on like
1: smash your wow. trash. I was literally just listening to that song the oh, other day it. and I don't
5: I, I keep thinking about the movie Airheads.
1: Oh. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw it. You didn't? It's about a radio station. It's about a radio
5: station and it's like there's a Lemmy cameo in it. Great.
1: It's Adam Sandler, Chris Farley's The Policeman, right?
5: Yeah, and they like they're in this rock band and they want to bring their song to the studio and then they end up like
1: they hold the radio station hostage. Okay, they hold yeah. it hostage.
5: You gotta okay. see it. I That's remember it. that it existed. Michael Richards is in it. It's like a very '90s Great. cast.
1: But I, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I was gonna say too. At night there was like love line and yeah. stuff like that too, where it was like. That's kind of like, because we didn't have like the TV that we have now, maybe that it's like there was stuff like that you could listen mm-hmm. to, too, that felt like so crazy that that was like on the radio sure. where people would like call in with like sex questions. Yeah. And I remember listening to that stuff and being like, oh, my God, this is insane. Yeah, totally.
6: <laughs> All of that shit was so it was so super important. And like you, the shows that you listen to and the stations that you listen to were like part of your identity. Like in high school, it was either yes. you were like a classic rock kid or you were an alternative kid or you were like real into Dungeons and Dragons and you liked Rush, you know, or Emerson, Lake right, and Palmer. Right, right, you right, know. right, 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 uh, right. And it was like th- the music that you listened to and the radio station that brought it to you were like organizing principles in your identity.
1: Yes. Which yes. does not totally. exist anymore.
6: Like, I, I, no. And i like, I ask, you know, I have teenage, I have nieces and nephews who were like from. 16 to 31-ish. And and the younger ones, I'm constantly asking like, do you listen to the radio? Which seems like a really weird and basic question that an old man would ask a young person. <laughs> and they kind of largely don't. Like, I guess some of them have it in the car or whatever, but like mostly they don't. They'll just plug in, you know, the iPhone or they'll go on satellite right, or whatever. Right. And it's like I, they don't know the radio stations of St. Louis any better than I know the ones of LA.
1: I have to say, you know, now that I moved to LA a few years ago, I can't, two or three years ago, I don't even really, but I moved here and I got a car and it was the first time I've been driving since I was in high yeah. school. And one of my favorite things about driving is that I can listen to the radio and I have all these radio stations like uh, programmed in my uh-huh. car. And I have to say, I have this thing, that I kind of had when I was in high school, which is I was never a person who like listened to like CDs or tapes in, in the mm-hmm. car because somehow, and I think I've already, I, I've, I know I've already said this, but listening to the radio makes me feel so much more connected to the yeah. world in a way that like when I listen to CDs, it feels so isolating yeah. in the car. Yeah. Like, so I always have done that. And I I truly love listening to the radio so much. And it I was thinking about, what we were talking about too, it's interesting that now there is like Sirius radio where you can control, like, are you listening to like lithium, which is like the nineties yeah. stuff or what, and they're, and they are like digital, but they're um, like mimicking. It's a lot of yeah. <laughs> nostalgic stuff yeah. in a way. That's so crazy because that is not regular radio. I don't know. It's all. Yeah. Crazy. It's very strange.
6: I, so I work, I do like weekends on the spectrum on Sirius XM, which is like the, You know, it's where you go for your Mumford and Sons and Hosier and, you know, things of that nature. And I like it. But all of Sirius XM is run by old white guys who came up in regular terrestrial radio. So so everything is very much like it's programmed so narrowly that, like, you will never be surprised by anything. And I don't get that because if you—and I know I'm shitting on my employer, but whatever. (laughs) If on The Spectrum, for example— I were to play something new that might like set a listener's teeth on edge and they change the channel. They would change the channel to another serious station. They wouldn't just be like, I'm canceling my whole subscription right, and right, all 300 of these right. channels are garbage to me now. What I listen to in the morning now is BBC Radio 6, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It is, uh, it's like totally freeform. When it's morning here, it's evening there. So I'm listening to their like drive time evening show and it's, it's like, you can tell that there's a human mind at work. So they'll play something like they'll play, you know, the strokes and then they'll play something like brand new from one of these like new British bands where it's like post-punk music and a woman just saying things. I don't know if you've noticed that, but there are like Mm -hmm. 18 bands Mm -hmm. that are like that right now, like wet leg (laughs) and um, whatever. Uh, It's just, it's all over the place and they take calls and it's just like, you feel like there's a human mind organizing it. Whereas, you know, I listen to most other things and it's like, it's all done by computer program, and the objective is just for nobody to ever change the channel.
1: That's so crazy,
6: right? Right. I was also okay. So there, there, there was Casey Kasem, which of course he's of course a yes. god among men. the The way that he, like in retrospect, the the care and the respect that he gives each artist, no matter how how ephemeral and or how you know like living in a box or like he, he he treats them the way that you would treat the Beatles. Right. Yeah. Everything is just like, he's, he's got this enthusiasm. He will lay into a long song title. Uh, he'll uh, That's tears for fears. And everybody wants to rule the world. Like he's, he's, he gives it, yes! a, he gives it a narrative arc. It's like, it is so like, nobody does that now. Now you like, I think Ryan Seacrest is doing, American Top Forty,
1: his version, and, and yeah. it's
6: just everything is about you know how he's friends with every artist and you know whatever. I was sure. just talking to you know Olivia Rodrigo and here's what she said, and it's like cool, she's a child and you're an adult. That's weird. Okay, that you're a
1: friends. little bit attention. No, there, it's just right? it's like
6: yeah, it's <laughs> no, always weird kidding. to me when like adults are like, hey, yeah, I was yeah. just at yeah. this kid's thing, and it's like cool, that's that you're, that you're talking about a fourteen year old, but cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's just very. It's, 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 it's very odd. Like the, the thing has changed. But anyway, so Casey Kasem, I grew up loving, but then, okay. So then there was like a second tier of syndicated radio shows and I'm just going to run them past you and see if you remember them.
1: Okay. 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 okay.
6: Please. John Garabedian's open house party. No, don't remember that one. Two listeners are losing their minds right now.
1: Okay. There's one that just came to my mind. I wonder if you'll say it. What was it? Rick D's in the weekly top forty.
6: Well, sure, yes, there was that, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I just
1: remember honestly him saying Rick, the, the thing that was like Rick D's, <laughs> D's in the weekly, D's top, weekly
6: 40. top forty.
1: Beautiful Dave, that's
6: thank you so much. Yeah, that's another <laughs> thing like uh, that I want to investigate fully is like the recording sessions where you know five people would get into a recording studio and be like number thirty six. Like, what is that? What was it's that? Like, um, How much did it um, pay?
1: Do, do you remember the Annie movie? Annie, where like they were recording the radio and it's like those women singing. Am I? I'm remembering this. I watched Annie so much as a kid. Also, yeah. I um, had short curly hair and people said I looked a lot like her, but oh, I can't sure. remember. Um, I mean, this is when I'm like three, four. <laughs> Uh-huh. But so I can't remember. But don't they sing and like don't they have like I women singing f- on the radio? So
6: yeah. Yeah. What's the song? Shit. Is it uh You're Never Fully Dressed Without it a Smile? It might be never fully one? dressed
1: without a smile, which is a song that I auditioned with quite quite a lot um oh, wow. in Stagecrafters in middle sure. school. Mine and... was
6: Gary Indiana from uh, the music band.
1: Oh incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we both it looks like it worked for both of us.
6: It absolutely did. But you know what? <laughs> it's the long game. Yeah, we, were playing exactly. the long game.
1: we were playing the long game. We might not have gotten, you know, the the leading role, but guess what? Yeah. Here we and are. Where are they? We're the podcast. Know? So everybody yeah. can forget it.
6: Yeah. I'm in Studio City. Eat motherfuckers. the crow, <laughs> you guys. That's right. Eat the That's crow. Right. I know
1: it's the the it was extra, but mm-hmm. eat, eat the crow. Eat all the crow. Eat every little piece of crow.
6: hmm Don't leave one bit um starving kids uh okay oh uh joel denver's future hits no i don't remember no? any of these for some reason oh my god sunday nights well i guess it was syndicated so it would just be whenever but in st louis it was sunday nights and it was um it was late-ish maybe 10 or 11 and it was an hour of just the newest songs right and okay. it was based on some on radio and records which is like a trade publication and so it would be like he would play like songs that were that that th- that magazine felt would be hits and then he would play the top five songs in the UK which was a big deal for me because I wanted to be British really badly and uh and Sounds then like you the still last do. you three- listen
1: to the BBC I do yeah I'm <laughs> just super yeah answer. I would really no it's 100% I would
6: much rather be British and I will live abroad <laughs> at some point in my life I don't know when
1: I'm a, I'm sure you
6: will Maybe soon, maybe soon. We'll see how things shake out in the next two to four years. But, and then the last three were the, were like, you know, the new Mariah Carey song or, you know, got Wilson it, got Phillips, it, got it. things that were just like, there was no possible way that they could fail. I was, I, I like, I needed to be, I needed to be fresh with the new pop music. Yes. So I would never, ever miss that. But you guys don't remember. I don't know. I don't know how long it lasted. Did you ever listen to the Casey Kasem where he had that meltdown and like start swearing? Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And you know what? I've actually, one of the ones that's in rotation is the show that that is definitely from. Really? Yes. Cause it is a long distance dedication about a, a dog that died <sighs> and they play whatever sad song. And, and then it goes immediately into like jump for my love or something. And, and it is jarring. It's jarring. <laughs> like the transition even Casey himself like cannot make it super smooth. <laughs> what is it? He like, like he's like what is this? Like
5: there's a dedication to a dog or something? Yeah,
7: he's yeah, <laughs>
6: you got you can't put a peppy song next to a damn dead dog. <laughs> um yeah, he's he's furious and rightfully so. Yeah. Um but like the first time we heard that one, I was like that hold on, is that? And then the second time around, I was like you guys listen, I think this is the one. Like, I think this is during this break. He has that meltdown. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah.
1: Incredible.
6: We will never see the likes of Casey Kasem again.
5: No. Although, you know, I actually didn't realize there was this classic Casey Kasem station. And I heard him in the car the other day with my wife. And I was like, I thought it was new. I was like, is this a new Casey Kasem? And I was like, I don't think he's still around. But it sounds like. He's long
6: gone. Yeah. I had to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. He's not only dead. I think his. Kids and his second wife are maybe still fighting about who gets his remains.
5: Yeah, I was looking into it. It seems very complicated,
6: his whole situation with that stuff. It is. Did you guys just see me splash water on my own face? Because that absolutely just happened. Had a little sip of water, there was splashing within the bottle. It came back up. I splashed water on my own face while drinking it.
1: Well, if our listeners want to splash a little water on their face, we're going to take a quick break and and we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back. And now, Dave, we're going to play a little game with you that we Uh like to call Back to the Present. Joan and
2: Vanessa, we've got to go back
1: to the present. The name's obviously a hilarious take on the nostalgic Back to the Future franchise. Oh, I get it. I get it. And in this segment, uh, we each get to say something from our childhood we wish would come back. And so to give you a little time to think, we're going to go first. Okay. And we just want you to remember there are no wrong answers. And whatever you say... Um, our producers will try to research it really quickly so they can give you some data on it. Okay. So I'm going to go first and mine is kind of general. The thing that I wish would come back to the present is 17 magazine and like teen magazines in general. I was really into teen magazines when I was growing up and I used to get this magazine called apostrophe teen and Teen magazine is the one that had the um, great model search, which Tiffany Amber Thiessen won, Denise Richards won it. Wow! Um, it started kind of started their careers, and uh, it was just like this. Teen magazine, probably, probably in retrospect, if I read one of the magazines now, I'd go like, well, maybe not so great for girls, but in terms of like self esteem stuff, but also like I loved, I loved the magazine so much. I love Seventeen magazine. And I, I was telling Jonah that there was this article in 17 magazine. I didn't get, so I got teen magazine, but I would like one off by 17 magazines. Uh And, um, there was this article in one of them about this girl picking out her outfit for the first day of school. And it was like, she like wore a dress with like boots. She was like trying to figure out like, what's my look going to be this year as I go back to school. And -hmm. I remember every year I kept the magazine every year before I would go back to school, I would read this article and it would like help me plan my outfit. Because I don't know if you remember this, you guys, but to me, what I would wear for the first day of school back was such a big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It felt so defining of like who I'm going to be this school year.
6: So can you talk us through... An outfit? Sophomore year. Let's say sophomore year.
1: I think, well, I think by then I I had probably gotten rid of the magazine, but I had it all throughout like middle middle school and everything. I think it was a lot of Doc Martens, which was an inspiration from Jonah. Mm-hmm. Jonah had Doc Martens that like laced up. Then I got Doc Martens to copy him. Yeah. Um. And like, kind of like, I don't know, like maybe even Doc Martens in a dress, which Ooh. because this girl wore it in the article. So that to me... It was just about being kind of like, kind of like girly, but also kind of edgy.
6: Yeah.
7: And that's how I would something.
1: describe myself to this sure. day.
6: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very edgy.
1: <laughs> Very edgy, but kind of girly. And here's yeah. the other thing I want to say about teen. Ma- now. So I want to say about teen magazines and all I've looking it up. All of these magazines kind of don't exist anymore, which is really sad. We were able to read and rent. YM magazine from our Brady middle school library. Oh, wow. And that was the coolest thing in the world because if you'll remember, which probably both of you don't, YM Magazine had this section called "Say Anything," where do you remember this? Dave? I do remember
6: it.
7: Yeah, and
1: where where the readers would write in like the most embarrassing moment. It would yes. be like it would be like I was talking about my crush and I turned around and he was standing behind me. Oh, oh
7: no! Oh, you know, obviously, why me? Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know. Yeah. And so these magazines were like so so not only was it like how to get your hair straight or whatever, but it was also like, you know, uh, embarrassing moments. And like, here's how I feel about like the, the environment. It was I mean, there was like a lot of really good content yeah. in these in these magazines. And I, I was sad to hear that, like, you know. 17 magazine in like 2018 went down from like 10 issues a year to like six. And now it's like, there is no 17 magazine. It's like, they have special standalone episodes once in a while. YM ceased publication in 2004.
7: Yeah.
1: Uh, If you go to the YM website, you get immediately taken to teen Vogue, which I'm like, the idea of that does not, uh, it does not feel the same. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. as like kind of free and like alternative or something. And, Anyways, I miss teen magazines I, so much.
6: I'm right there with you, and I love that you call issues episodes because so do I. I always <laughs> make that mistake. Yeah, we're closing our winter episode right now at Esquire. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, um, I got to know teen, uh, teen girl magazines through like doing musicals in high school because oh, you know because sure. the, the girls because I went to an all boys school and we had a dress code, so that thing of like how you were going to dress that first day was sort of that was. A decision that was taken out of your hands because you had to wear a a tie and a button down and all that kind of thing. And, uh, but then like at rehearsals, the girls would bring in their magazines and we would read them. And, and it was like, there's nothing like this for boys at all. Yeah. I guess that's, it was like fashiony, but also like kind of servicey in a way. And like, um, yeah, the, the boys don't, boys don't get that kind of thing. And I I always wish that we had.
1: They were really, I mean, the say anything, a lot of it was like really interesting um, (laughs) stuff. Sassy. Sassy was great. Sassy, yeah. Sassy was like more edgy. Sassy was even cooler. I remember this is, uh, and then I'll stop talking about teen magazines, but I remember this one article about this girl who was like, people are mean to me because I'm so pretty. She was Uh like, Girls have always been kind of like combative with me. And I'm sure it was true. And I remember reading it at my friend Lissy Billfield's house and being like, this is kind of our problem too. Like, I do feel like sometimes people are mean to us. Yeah. <laughs> because they're jealous. So. Meanwhile, I think that might've been the case with Lissy, but it wasn't really the case with me. And I'm not saying <laughs> that I wasn't pretty. I just don't think I was getting a lot of like, a lot of like people, you know, lashing out at me because of my beauty you don't know that you don't know that i mean people are pretty nice to me but it was kind of like reverse psychology i think because they like oh that's probably it
6: yeah that's probably it yeah anyways i remember there was like a there was a story in sassy in like the maybe like mid 80s uh that was like my brother's gay so what incredible. That at that time was just like, I don't even think I read the article. I just saw the blurb on the cover and was like, that is comforting. (laughs) Like, that's cool. There are like cool people in the world who aren't going to lose their shit when I eventually come out of the closet. You know? Yeah. That's that means something.
1: Total those magazines really often did again, the one that I got when I was younger, Teen Magazine probably did this the least. But those magazines, 17 YM, Sassy, they really did like address a lot of really interesting stuff and they talked to the readers slash viewers like they Mm -hmm. were real people. Which is incredible.
5: That's a great one, Vanessa. Dave, I'm gonna I'm going to lay mine on you. I hope you relate to it as much as you did. <laughs> Vanessa says, if you do, I will be amazed and have a whole new respect for you. Um, mine are a snack food.
1: Yeah. Jonah wishes a snack food would come up, b- would come back. That's very specific.
5: Yeah. So this is the, um, the teenage mutant ninja turtle pudding pies. Um, <laughs> are you Talk familiar with these days? Not at all. Uh, they were these green, do you know, you know how Hostess has those fruit pies? Do you always get to sure. the gas station? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they used to make them with pudding, chocolate, and I think vanilla pudding. And then when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were really big, um, which I'm trying to remember, I think like, they, these were discontinued in 1987. So this was, <laughs> you know, a while the, ago. Yeah. I guess in the in the mid 80s, they had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one that was green um that came with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stickers I think this was like the heyday of the cartoon I think this was even yeah. pre-film and they were deep fried pies dyed wow. green with vanilla Ooh, pudding for, inside
6: ooze. for ooze
5: yeah for ooze and uh according to some of the research I've done there were 500
1: calories
5: that 50 Shh. grams of sugar Ooh, I mean they wee. were probably like the most unhealthy thing you could eat but I remember they had them at our middle 25 school 25
1: grams of fat 25 grams wow. of fat and, yeah
5: I mean and these things were I was so into them
1: They did have them in our middle
5: yes, school Yes that's how I, I our that's parents, would, nev- our parents would never buy something like yeah.
1: that Yeah yeah um,
5: But yeah I remember eating them in middle school I remember we had like a snack bar with like those <laughs> and like little Debbie zebra cakes and hoes and stuff and i remember i think they had to get rid of it because kids were just stealing stuff because we we're like yeah we're just kids and there's all these snacks we're just gonna <laughs> like take them like yeah we don't really understand right and wrong uh so well, i remember well maybe some of us did more than others but i think i paid for mine most of the time i hope but uh <laughs> yeah i looked it up and these things are actually go for like Hundreds of dollars now on eBay just for the the wrappers. Someone's selling a wrapper for 250 bucks. There's these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle YouTube pages where people are recreating them. They're like, I made it. These like huge green pies with vanilla pudding inside. They discontinued the whole pudding pie line as well as the Ninja Turtles. So they don't even make any of these. And I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle
6: pies? Have you had anything like these? I, I can't speak to the uh, Ninja Turtle part of the experience, but the pudding pie was... The pudding pie and the pudding pop were both big parts of my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I loved I loved a Jell-O pudding pop. Oh, yeah. Uh, I loved it all. I loved a pudding cup. I loved a pudding parfait at KFC. Uh, it, yeah, it's uh, I do. I miss it terribly, but I don't remember the Ninja Turtles.
1: Yeah, the Ninja Turtles ones, people really, online, there's so many people trying to recreate them. They seem like they're like a lot of work to recreate, and there's a lot of people it seems like online who are really trying to bring them back in a way that feels we've covered it before like people people miss those snacks and they and they feel really like they've got a lot of time on their hands
6: <laughs> yeah and but you know certainly the the long term health effects of those pies are yes. still being felt to this day, so <laughs> There's comfort in that.
5: In I some guess. ways they'll
1: always be with those people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
5: I mean, it's so weird how um like there was no I feel like nutrition was so different then too, not to get too much on a tangent, but I felt like no one was like, This seems like a lot of fat <laughs> and calories for like a yeah. little snack. I felt like everyone was like, Yeah, they're green. Like that's that's cool.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. They they almost the outside of them almost looked like green sparkly like it was pretty um almost in the way that those um snowballs like those hostess snowballs oh, were like yeah. kind of sparkly looking they were like that but green um and maybe yeah so
6: I wanted I wanted to like a snowball so bad but there's coconut involved in that right
1: sure. yeah coconut?
5: there is
6: coconut nope. can't,
5: you do, can't it. do it I, okay. I was into the snowballs I wasn't actually I was into chocolate but I liked coconut
1: yeah you liked the mm-hmm. hostess pies that were like you know
5: they were always in some crazy
6: fluorescent kind of color.
1: Yeah. Sure. And came in that paper. Yeah.
6: yeah. I liked a hostess ding dong. And then I went away to college in Massachusetts. And in Massachusetts, they're called King Don. Really? <laughs> and I was like, what else is true in this new world that I have entered? Like, it, 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 they're King Dons. Or they were King Dons.
1: King Dons. Dons. I don't wow. I live Isn't in
5: Massachusetts weird? and I didn't know that. But I really? guess we haven't. Yeah, we haven't. Maybe they. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's they've
6: Standardized it by now, but at the time they were King Don's. Very King strict. Don's. Wow. But wow. yeah, So
5: the, I don't know if these will come back. Like Vanessa said, there's a couple petitions online mm-hmm. about it. Um, people are making them at home, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, I tried to read like a the the hostess CEO's last um, earnings report statement, and he just was using all these kind of businessy terms I didn't understand. But I didn't say anything about the TMNT. Yeah. I get it, but, but I think, Put in you know,
6: if there's, if there's anything that the listener can take away from this episode, it's, it's, you know, be patient and, and, yeah. you know, it's not, these games are not won or lost in, in a single day or a single year. Play the long exactly. game.
1: Exactly. Be patient.
6: It will eventually, things are cyclical and it
1: will come it's back. It's true.
6: Soon. I mean,
5: and I think the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did kind of, they've already had like a second, third life. So. Many Probably. lives.
1: They've Probably. come back many times. So Probably. maybe
5: next time we'll have this with the pudding, pudding pie pies.
1: Time. Yeah.
6: They like so many things are one of those cultural uh, moments that happened like th- a year after I was the target audience. Yeah. And so I didn't engage with it cause I was like 14 and that was for 13 year olds.
7: Yeah. Like, I didn't see
6: the Goonies until like maybe four years ago because I, it, that came out when I was 13 and it felt like it was for 12 year olds. And I was like, I can't get on board. And, and like there was all this like, I, my generation didn't really have a whole lot of, like, cartoons and stuff that were for us. We yeah. had, like, Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry and all these things where it was, like, World War II jokes and Edward G. Robinson impressions and shit that was, like, referencing stuff that I was like, we don't know what it is, but we don't care. We'll just pretend. to I, like, I, I can probably do an Edward G. Robinson impression based on Bugs Bunny, but I've never seen Edward G. Robinson in a movie. Sure. Um, and then, like, then I turned 13 and suddenly... For twelve-year-olds, there was like Voltron and He-Man and all of that stuff. But it was—I was always just like a little too old. Like Nickelodeon happened when I was twelve, and I was like, "That's for ten-year-olds. I can't watch it." Yeah, right. So like, it's—it's yeah. it's very strange. All of these youth things happened like five minutes after I aged out. Wow,
1: well, that's, that's like the way for it goes. Me, That was like One Tree Hill for me. Really, I missed it by a couple of years.
6: Have you now? Would you go back and? Oh, I have. Watch I've it? watched it. Oh, okay. you know
1: repeats. But, <laughs> okay. Um, one Tree, yeah. So, okay. anyways, what are you going to do? You Never missed that. Did. You missed basically everything. I miss One Tree Hill.
6: I guess. I guess. <laughs> I've been wanting to do that with Dawson's Creek. I always felt like I would like.
1: Same. I was going to say Dawson's Creek. Although Jonah watched it. You watched. It I watched college, it in I
5: college. I felt like I felt like it was actually like a social act when I met my friend. Bruce I felt like some kids were like we're gonna go watch Dawson Creek at our dorm room and we were like do you want to come we we're like okay and I think we watched like a couple episodes I think we yeah. were like
1: I feel like you watched more than that but maybe
5: I think but I think I was on like the tail end where I felt like I was like I think I'm too old to be watching this yeah. but it's like kind of ironic but it's I'm also a teenager so it's not fully ironic
7: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um, now Dave yes what if you could choose something to bring back to the present what mm-hmm. would it be Hmm.
6: Um, I have a couple things. Okay. One is, and I and I floated this as as the thing to remember in this episode. And yes. And Jonah very correctly pointed out that there's not enough in it to sustain a whole show. But <laughs> commercials for um for uh, body sprays and <laughs> uh fragrances where women are just slapping things all over themselves. Yes. <laughs> like Nate or Impulse. Yes. Or a wind song or whatever. It's a woman yeah. in a shower and she's going... Win- Doesn't it go Nitae? like this?
1: Your wind song stays on my mind.
6: That's exactly <laughs> how it goes. I can't seem to forget you. Your wind song stays on my <laughs> yeah. mind. And the Jean Nate one was just... Jean Nate, Jean Nate. And there was like a woman on a horse. And then she goes to the shower and she splashes Jean Nate all over herself real violently. I missed that.
1: Do you remember the exclamation where it's like... Exclamation... Make a statement without saying a word. It wasn't really, it was more an artistic commercial and less of a like woman putting a ton of, oh, do you remember the one for Ambiance where it's a woman who gets on a motorcycle and she goes, I manage a job, I work nine to five. We all do what we can to survive. But I'm gonna have an Ambiance night. Do you remember that? And she gets on a motorcycle.
6: I mean, (laughs) it slightly rings a bell, but I like your version better. (laughs) Another one is um, uh, Anjali. I can bring home the bacon. Anjali. Fry it up in a pan. Anjali. Um, There was that. Like there was, yeah, there was a lot of like aspirational, you know, adult sexy splashes. And I miss those.
1: The one that was really marketed towards teens, because I remember our cousin Mia used to wear it and it was like really cool was I think she wore it was Baby Soft, but I don't remember Ooh. the commercials for it, but that was like the kind loves of body spray. Loves Baby Soft was like kind of the one for teens. Those those body sprays in general, do they even still exist? Like a a Baby Soft or a um, Winslet? I don't solid? know.
6: I don't know. I'd have to go to Walgreens and check it all out. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Is is that like, is now Gwyneth Paltrow doing an elevated version of that on Goop? Is there some like right. $50 a bottle version of that now?
1: Well, you know, that is the thing is like, there's so much more stuff now. Even like we were talking about, there's just everywhere. Like there's, th- we used to have such limited options in every area every of area. our lives in a way that was so yeah. great yeah. in a way because it kept things a little less, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I hope that baby soft and I hope that ambiance still exists.
6: Yeah, um. I want those. I want kids to have that experience now. But I think the thing I want back, actually, most of all, is all my children.
1: (gasps) Speaking (laughs) my language, because
6: I fucking (laughs) loved it. Even when I didn't watch it, I would check in once a month, see what was going on. It was very easy to follow. That was a massive part of my youth. And soap operas in... Ja- I'm sure there are soap operas on the air now, but it just seems...
1: Literally was saying yesterday to someone that Jonah, I don't know if you remember this, but you and I used to watch All My Children. Okay, so what year? I remember. Years? I mean, I feel like we would watch it when we were visiting our grandparents in Philadelphia and stuff. Like, it would be random that we would yeah. watch it. I would it. say the 90s.
5: Do you, you remember yeah. characters? Yeah, late 80s. Story arcs?
1: I remember... Was that the one where
5: they were like... Two old guys who were twins yes, or something? Adam and Stewart. There was like, oh, yes. Adam and Stuart. yeah.
6: Yes. Adam was, uh, was an angry uh, businessman and, you know, all of his children, like, they did the same story arc over and over for all his children where they mm. w- would uh, get sober because uh, the kids would go crazy. Okay.
1: <laughs> Obviously, Erica. Of course, Erica.
6: But yeah, Adam had, he was on the, the show for like a full year before you found out that he had a twin brother locked in the attic who was, like, mentally uh, challenged. But then that character, like, his mental challenge was literally just that he would wear an Argyle sweater and one of his shirt lapels would be out. And and he was nice. Like, he, he and he saw the good in people. So that is the way in which he was, like, mentally okay. challenged. He could probably drive a car and pay bills, but he was just, like, he couldn't get his shirt collar together. Were they ever on screen together or no? Oh, sure. Yeah, they, they were. Would do okay. a very clunky split screen. Okay. Um. And I and well, that guy, that actor, definitely died. And and maybe, maybe one or the other of the characters died, but the other stayed on. I don't know. But yes, of course, Erica
1: wasn't Sarah Michelle Geller Her daughter.
6: She the daughter that she that we never knew that she had. Right. Because she was on the show from the very first episode. So they like retconned this whole thing like thirty years into the show. That she had this, like, teenage daughter mm-hmm. before the show ever started, 30 years ago. Um, and it was Sarah Michelle Gellar as Kendall, troublemaker.
1: And then she had a different daughter later who was a lesbian, right?
6: She had Bianca. Now, Bianca was <laughs> was born, like, late 80s, something like that. And right. And was, was a baby, and then was five, and then oh, was
1: 18. Oh, 100%. <laughs> they grew oh, up. within,
6: like, 18 months.
1: Well, Dave, we are definitely yes. going to have to have you back on because... What a trove. And it feels as though
6: we're just getting started. It feels Let's as though, though we're just again. getting started. Let's we have to do again. this again. Absolutely.
1: And where can listeners find you? You have, you have a couple podcasts.
6: I do. I do. Yeah. Waiting for Impact. A uh, Dave Holmes Passion Project is out now. It's uh, 10 episodes. We're about five in now. It's a pop culture mystery that we're, we're, finally solving after uh, after decades.
1: Well, check it out and thank you so much, Dave, oh my for God, being my here. Pleasure.
6: Thank you so much, Dave.
5: Yeah. Certainly.
1: Thank you for having me. And everybody, if you enjoyed listening to this, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Do We Get Weird where we'll discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural milestones like the radio
5: or soap
6: operas
1: or soap mm-hmm. operas or teen magazines or so many things that we've discussed today.
6: Or, or uh, Ambiance Nights.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have an Ambiance Night. <laughs>
6: iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.